State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Yep, yep, ghetto boys is back and reloaded. All in your mind. Yeah, now deep-throated. This is for the streets, the real, the railroaded. The disenfranchised, the truth, the scapegoated. And they know it. We speak the truth, so they quote it. Because we wrote it. The North, South, the East Coast. It's the GB knocking. We keeping your head bobbing. It ain't no stopping. And once the beat drops in. Violins, the system is so corrupt. They throw the rock out their hands and then blame it on us. GB, don't get it twisted. On code and we ain't dancing for no buttermilk biscuits. It's Willie D, y'all. Scarface is in the building. Collectively, we are the Ghetto Boys. Reloaded. With another episode of information and instructions to help you navigate through this wild, crazy, beautiful world. In the studio. Bone, 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 bone. Lazy Bone is in the building, fam. Yes, 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 yes. Hey, King. What's going good on? Good to see you, man. It's always good to see you, man. Always you always got pleasure, that energy, man. man. You got it's that. All, it's, it's always an honor to be in your presence, man. You know I how it goes. You, man. Double OG. Yeah, I yeah. appreciate you. Right now, you're out on the road with your group and TLC. Y'all doing dates. How many dates have y'all done so far? We've been rocked about 12. 12 days so 12, far. About seven more to go. Right. Yeah. And then what? And then it's, uh, I'm doing solo dates. I got solo dates coming up. We also got a gang of bone dates. Now that the world opened up, we we ready for it. Okay. All right. That yeah. sounds good, man. You know, bone concert is always exciting because, you know, you got all you guys on the stage and everybody's doing their own thing. It's mm-hmm. always a lot. It's like a bunch of moving pieces, so right. to speak. So everybody is like, you're looking over here, you know, you're doing your thing over here. Flesh is over here doing his thing. Busy mm-hmm. over here doing his thing. Wish over here doing his thing. Absolutely. You got crazy over here doing his thing. Yeah, it's gumbo, man. It's stirring it up in the pot. Right, right. Look, man, I, I want you to, like, explain, like, your relationship with each member of the group, starting with your brother Flesh. Right. What's that relationship like? Well, you know, my big brother, man, you know, we uh we tighter than we tight as 
net booty. You can't, you can't, you can't <laughs> separate the house boys. You know what I'm saying? Did you say what you say? Booty? Net booty. You net know, it's booty. just wow, it, you, you can't. It's, un, already, it's yeah. unseparable. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, but you know, my big brother, man. Right. You know, he uh, he really responsible for teaching me my responsibilities in life. Taught me how to count money. You know what I mean? Taught me how not to throw it away. You know, so my right. brother is just like. We've been inseparable since the first grade. We went to first grade together. And, right. you know, everything we did, my mama say, if you go outside, he go outside. So one okay. of those relationships. Okay, explain the, the first grade together because you you and, you yes. and Flesh have, y'all have the same? Same mother. Mother. Okay. And father. And father. Yes. And y'all same grade together? Yeah. Who, so who what, the kindergarten, man? No, nah, that Flesh. <laughs> Flesh and bone got held back in the first grade. No, that was because we was moving. We okay. had uh, my mother went to Colorado or something like that, and right. came back to Cleveland, and they held him back. And I was starting school. Okay, yeah. Right. So, I have to ask that question because everybody, like, man, how did that? I know they're not twins. I mean, what, yeah, what's nah, going on? No, nah, we only we only a year apart though. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, closest brothers c could possibly be. Right. You know, busy bone, the baby of the group. He was the last one to come along, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I met him through my mother as well because my mother had a, a friendship with his dad, you know what I'm saying? And we uh, end up taking him in, and that's my little brother, you know what I'm right. saying? So ever since I was 16, when he entered into my life, I think he was 14, and he been baby bro ever since, you know what I'm saying? Crazy Bone was my is my best friend. My my road dog, you know what I mean? The reason why I took rap serious in the first place and um, met him in the seventh grade. We had a group called Band-Aid Boys, you know what I'm saying? And uh, talent shows and gong shows, and we was in the choir together and all that type Did of stuff. Yeah, Band-Aids on your face. Yeah, we had the Band-Aids, man. <laughs> we was, yeah, we had them up under our eyes. I think we thought that made us tough back in. Well, 85, something like that. Right. You know what I mean? And Wishbone is my blood cousin, too. So it's it's so really it's all, a family it's really, thing. Yeah, it's family for real. Mm-hmm. So it, what is Bone? I know Bone is the acronym for what? Brothers on Normal Elimination, budded out niggas every day, brewed out niggas every day, and that's it. Just yeah. Bone. Bone is the, the last name. You know what yeah. I mean? That's... We was born Enterprise before we was born Thugs and Harmony. Right. What What was that dude that y'all was working with? Name was it Kermit or something like that? Kermit Henderson. Yeah. Slow foot mother. <laughs> yeah. Is he still around? Um. Yeah. He's still out. He's still. He's still alive. You know what I'm saying? We put out an album called Faces of Death with him back in like '91. Right. Yeah. And how did y'all transition to? getting over the easy because I'm sure he didn't just have y'all for one album. Did he just... No, nah, well, actually, <clears throat> I mean, that was a whole janky situation. We've been through it, you know what I'm saying? Like, actually, we were signed to a management contract and he put the record out. If we recorded a record, man, we was getting like $50 a week, splitting uh, $10 a piece, you know. For real? Yeah, $10 a piece, $50 Damn. a week. and um, But I was 15... 15, about to be 16. And uh, we was just excited to be recording back then to hear right. ourselves on tape. You know what I mean? We was emulating y'all. We was emulating uh, 
N.W.A. Right. You know what I mean? We was out there on the block doing that. Do you remember that concert that you guys opened up for Ghetto Boys? Yeah. Man, you know, like, when I first heard y'all, like, I was backstage, actually. I was in the dressing room. And so this is before y'all came out, you know, before right. y'all, the world knew you guys as the Bone Thugs and Harmony. Right. Y'all probably was, okay, so at that point, y'all was still Bone Enterprise. We was at Bone Enterprise. Right. So I'm in the dressing room, and I just hear this rumbling crowd noise, just people just going crazy. I'm like, what the hell is that? What's going on? Mm -hmm. So Chief, our road manager, was like... Big Chief. Yeah, Chief was like, man, that's them niggas up, man. That's them niggas out here, man. Uh, <laughs> man, uh, bone, bone something, man. man. Man, they going, they love that shit. Right. I said, man, what the fuck is they saying? And he said, man, I don't know, but they love that shit, man. They love that shit, man. Yeah. I was like, so I'm listening, and I was impressed, but I was not business savvy enough to say, hey, man, come on, man. Come, right. come you know, let's do this. You know, like, I, I didn't get it. Like, I easy got it. Right. Easy heard that. And it was so, so different. Mm -hmm. You know, that whole, that whole uh, soliloquy, rapid style. Staccato uh, flow. You know, yeah, it's like, where did y'all learn that? Well, I mean, it was it wasn't really learned. It was developed over a, a period of time. You know what I'm saying? Like because first, well, our, our first thing was who could put the most words in the rap in the bar. Whoever can put the most uh, words in the bar was the dopest that day. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and Crazy Bone took it and mastered it, and really like. He put the fire on it. We had a song called Flow Motion, and that's when we knew that's what we going to do. We going to mm -hmm. out-rap everybody by putting more words in the rap. And then the singing came along because, you know, growing up to our parents' music, Marvin Gaye, Smokey Robinson, all, you know, Stevie Wonder, all that, that everything we heard in the house, trying to be new addition, as kids and right. and all that. So the singing came along by us doing our ad-libs. And, you know, <clears throat> by us having to alternate and switch, we would pause and then go. Pause, go. So that's how we knew how to go fast, speed up, go fast, speed up. So it was like over a course of years because from like 84 to 92, we was like, you could say we was in artist development. We was trying everything. We tried. We was y'all. We was N.W.A. We was uh, the Fushnickens. We was, um, who? What's the bum stickity bum stickity bum bum? Uh, Dice Effects. Yeah, yeah, all that. So, yeah, it was like over a 10-year a period. We It wasn't overnight. Mm -hmm. 10 years we was doing talent shows and trying to just be somebody for a minute. Right. Yeah. So... Twister, what was Twister at this time? Was Twister out before you got Twister, out? yeah, Twister came out before us. I really didn't know too much about Twister, but like I mentioned, the Foosh Nickens, they had a super fast flow. Uh, Poor Righteous Teachers had a something like and, flipping. And Buster had that type of flow. Buster Rhymes Not had. Not necessarily the exact type 
that right. y'all had. There's a little variation there, but it was fast as hell. Well, I, that, I, everybody was just going fast. And, and, there wasn't and, no rhythm to it. And do or die. When did do or die? Do or die came along. What like? They was do after or die us. came out like ninety four or something, right? Probably ninety five. I know they was after us. We right. came out ninety four, so they might have been okay. ninety six with Pope. I Pimpin thought your album came out in ninety three with uh, our the, independent album. We met Easy E in ninety three. Okay. Uh, we met Easy E like we left November twenty third, nineteen ninety three. One way bus tickets. When went out, we was like homeless for like three months out in um, California. Met Easy E, got to open up for him. All that. Long story short, in June you by June, up for him where? Uh, Cleveland. And you, okay, so okay, so you open up for Easy E in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. You rap? Didn't you rap for him backstage or something like yeah, that? Yeah. Let me give you the whole timeline. So. We went November 23rd, 1993. We left and we went to California. We was homeless. We heard he had a show in Cleveland. We got back home. And he was doing, that's when he had uh, uh, Real Motherfucking G's had just came out. And um, Y'all got, hadn't met him yet in No, we, we hadn't met okay. him, but we talked to him on the phone. We had rapped to him over the phone because his okay. secretary, we called his office every day. And we would rap to everybody in the office, and they'd pass the phone <laughs> right. around. You know some what I'm boys saying? and girls. Yeah. they okay. passed the phone around. So we got back to Cleveland, and because we had Faces of Death out, and we had our thing with Kermit Henderson, and he had the store dials, we had little connects. So once, once, we got, once we did that show, he didn't see our performances that night. But that charged us up to bum rush backstage and then we just i ran up on yellow boy rapping and he picked his head out the door like man y'all them niggas was on the phone rapping we like yeah man it's us e he like boom and that was it you know we got back we uh went in the dressing room it was about a thousand niggas in there trying to you know show e what they had and actually it was being busy that got backstage and Shit, we did our thing and shut all everybody in Cleveland had that we shut that thing down. And he uh went back on tour and a few weeks later he sent for us. Mm-hmm. And by November and, and and by June, we had Thuggish Ruggish Bone out. June ninety four. So it was like a four month period that we was recording with Easy E and then the album came out. And the rest was history. Right. How did the name Lazy Bone come about? Wow. Um, Lazy Bone, because it rhymed with Crazy Bone. You know, when I was was telling you when I was out in Texas, I was already, I formulated the name Bone. I was Busy Bone first. So I was Busy Bone, and when I finally came home, back home to Cleveland, and I shared the bone idea with Crazy Bone. And I was like, well, what bone would you be? He like, nigga, I'm crazy. <laughs> and by him being my best friend in the world, I was like, well, I'm going to be lazy then. And then the Busy Bone was just sitting there. And then my mom introduced me to, to Brian McCain. He was MC Mellow. And, but he was off the chain. 
I'm yeah. like, okay, so you busy bone, and I'm basically lazy because it rhymed with crazy. Now I don't have a lazy bone in my body. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That is a fascinating story, man. Yeah, man. It's That's how I formulated the whole formulated crazy lazy bone is crazy because it rhymed like that. And I wanted to be like my friend. Well, wow. all this time I've been knowing you damn near 30 years and I never thought to ask you that question. <laughs> yeah. Everybody be like, well, why, why they call you lazy? Cause you're not lazy. You all over the place. Well, there it is. I never told it to the world before, but there it is. Busy. Yeah. I tell you, Crazy to tell you. Right. Wish to tell you. You heard it here first on Ghetto Boys Reloaded. Flesh to tell you. You guys put out a song with Biggie, and you put out a song with Pac. Mm-hmm. One of the few acts in music to be able to make that claim. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? Wasn't Biggie and Pac, wasn't that some kind of beef at that time? Oh yeah, them y'all boys did those songs. Them boys was feuding. Yeah. So how did you how did you guys faci- facilitate making a song with Biggie and Pop? And was there any friction within your camp or any type of mistrust or whatever on either side when you guys was like, "Hey, I want to do a song with you guys." Oh, by the way, we want to do a song with. No, nah, it was it was like we had did the song with Pop first. So Pop did did the song with Pop, and that song came out, and um, Pop got murdered, and then we did the song with Biggie, okay. and we never even heard Biggie verse until his came out because he passed away before we even got to hear his verse on the song. Wow. Yeah. So we, you know, and we was from the Midwest, so we felt like we felt like all oh, like with the South. East Coast, West Coast, we was a we had a piece of all that. Mm-hmm. Being from Cleveland, anybody from Cleveland know that we bumped the ghetto boys from the South. You know, of course, everybody, Rakim, LL, everybody from the East Coast, and NWA and DJ Quick and everybody from the West. So we stayed mutual basically because the fuse that Easy E was having, he ain't want us to have no part of that. Mm-hmm. No, because we was ready to ride for E, whatever, however. But he was like, "No, nah, I got something better for y'all. Y'all different, and we ain't know we we ain't understand that at the time. But that's how we was able to facilitate that. Yeah. You know? What was it like being around Easy? What was his energy like? Man, he was cool. He was humble. You know what I mean? You would think he'd be with the broads. You would think he'd be motherfucking and cussing all the time, but he was really like a, a humble, cool dude. I had my son with me back then. He'd always take my son, like that type of spirit. Love kids, take us out to eat. Niggas ain't eat all they food. He'd take the food, give it to the whoever was homeless outside. You know what I'm saying? So he was like, he was just a cool, cool, cool dude. You yeah. know what I mean? Like real, real humble. Can you remember the moment that you heard about his death? I can. I went straight to Cleveland because the moment it was it was so crazy, man. We had went to New York. This was like this wasn't even ninety 
but almost 95. It was like November, right after Thanksgiving, we went to New York. I remember we went to the tunnel and uh, he talked to Ice Cube that night. We was, you know, we kids, man. We like, nigga, he would cube it, cube it. We sitting there watching it, you know what I'm saying? So, like, February, we heard that he was in the ho- he was Well, he went to the hospital. Then we heard about the AIDS, you know what I mean? And then it was like, well, he going to be all right. We still recording. He still got us in the studio. He's still paying for our room and board and basically taking care of us. You know what I'm saying? So we get a call like, easy, he gone. I'm like, what you mean gone? Like, where he go? They like, no, nah, honey, he he passed away. I'm like, what? Because we couldn't see him. They wouldn't let us see him in the hospital. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, I thought the world was over at that time. Like, damn, we just got on just our luck. Bone thugs and bone thugs, just our luck. We something good happened and then something bad happened. You know what I mean? So I remember that day. I was sitting on my stairs, talking to my wife on the phone, and then we get the call. I'm like, I'll call you right back. And they told us, spread the news around the house, and we was just lost, man. So I went home to Cleveland and said, I I thought rapping was over with for a long time, for about at least three, four, five months before we got a call saying, okay, we need y'all to come in and finish what y'all was doing. So it was that was the craziest period in hip-hop that I that we had to endure, losing mm-hmm. him because he kept us solo. I mean, he kept us separate from everybody. Like, we was like his secret weapon. If, if anybody remember, he started getting his hair braided. The curl was gone. He was like a member of Bone. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I absolutely remember. It's hard to relive it too, man. Yeah. Yeah, I spoke to Easy. I never met Easy in person, but I spoke to him once on the phone. And um, <clears throat> it's, uh, it's one of those things that, you know, like uh, when you meet certain people, you 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 know you wish you had you would have had a, a I guess a a, a longer relationship with or even have a, a relationship with you know right. some kind of because e- Easy was a brilliant dude and he don't get enough credit for his brilliance. I mean, come on, man, dude gave us you know N.W.A. J.J. Fad <laughs> gave us N.W.A. You know, yeah, J.J. Fad. He had the foresight to see and, that. You know, but Bone, I mean, I, I'm speaking as far as just like groups. This is two of the greatest groups of all times. Like anybody on anybody's top, whatever list, mm-hmm. Bone and N.W.A. is going to consistently come up, mm-hmm. you know. Th- that dude has some, he has some foresight and insight. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, keep in touch with I guess Tamika put that put the record out right after he died. Yep, Tamika and uh, Cassandra Ware was a very very influential lady that was helping to run the company at that time as well. Mm-hmm. So she was the creative after Easy E that helped guide our creativity into the the new Crossroads because we had the song Crossroads, mm-hmm. which was dedicated to my homeboy Wiley. Uh, cousin Boo, a couple people we lost along the way. 
And then she had the insight to say, well, let's let's remake this for E. And so Cassandra Ware was very, very instrumental. And uh, Tamika was the executive. She was called, she was, she was the purse. She right. was, she was, right. she was making it happen. On songs, there's oftentimes a very little thing that's said in a song that really takes it all the way. Like the song can already be jamming, but you put a little, that little sand or whatever, a little sound or whatever, mm. and bam. So Crossroads is jamming all the way through. But then just out of nowhere, I don't want to thank everybody. You know what? Like who? 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 I'm gonna miss everybody. What you say? That's busy. That's busy. Bomb part. What you say? I'm gonna miss everybody, and I'm gonna miss everybody. You miss? I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You say? Yeah. I'm gonna. That's busy. Shot that in there. Yeah, busy bomb. Shot that that in there, and that's you know the crowd sing that when he don't come when he when he not present. We let that song ride and let the crowd sing that because yeah. they love to say, I'm going to miss everybody right. and and wishbone with the, I miss my Uncle Charles, y'all. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like those little, those, Ooh, those. Yeah, that's, that's, that's bringing back memories, man. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, that's some good stuff, man. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags-to-riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. How do you feel about today's artists who are who has that harmonic type sound like Bone? Do you feel like you guys uh you know a part of that evolution? I feel like that's what uh besides 
having a song with Pac, Easy, and Biggie, those three, I feel like that's what solidified Bone Thugs and Harmony. Like, not to be cocky, but we fathered that. You know what I mean? Like, from when Mariah Carey did it. You know what I mean? To everybody, everybody that sing and rap and harmonize now, I hear Bone Thugs and Harmony in it. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't get the props, but without us, it wouldn't be there. Right. You know, I used to think that, well, they ain't got to give me my props to people know what's up. And then at some point, I'm like, you know what? Fuck that. You got to remind people. Yeah, I you know, won't like, mind. Like, yeah, yeah. Hey, man, you can say what you want to say. And sometimes people are like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. He did do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I ain't, I didn't know. You know, because I, I used to didn't tell people about my rapping, you know, like what as far as my writing, you know, mm-hmm. when I was writing for Bill. Mm-hmm. I never told anybody that I wrote for Bill until Bill got on an interview and said, I didn't write for him. Right. And I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, that, Fuck this nigga. That you know, like, that say, man. I'm like, you know, especially right. considering that I wrote the first thing that he ever wrote. I'm the one that right. suggested that he become a member of the Ghetto Boys. I wrote his first rap. I wrote Size right. Ain't Shit. Right. The very first thing he said. And the dude, for the dude to say that, I was like, man, you know what? I'm finna start telling motherfuckers everything that I do. Because sometimes, you know, being humble can can cost you. Being mm-hmm. too humble can cost you. Let's yeah. put it like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's important for people to know what you've done. If you're working on a project, there's so many people in this world that work at companies and organizations, even at uh, at foundations, you know, charitable foundations. Mm-hmm. They do a whole lot to make those companies and organizations, businesses, whatever, move forward. But they don't get any credit. They don't get the recognition. This person in front of them who ain't really done shit get all of the credit. And I think that it's important for people to make note and let people know, nah, I did this or whatever. Now, of course, if you work for a company, you got to be a little careful because some, you know, what's that saying in 48 Laws of Power? Uh, never outshine the master. Never outshine the master. Yeah, you got to be very careful about that. How many kids do you have? Mm, one, two, three. Oh, right. oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Seven, eight, nine. You got nine kids. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How many boys and girls? Uh, five, five girls, five girls, and four boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, grown kids, five, man. I'm, five, five girls. And yeah, four I'm boys. a pawpaw. Five girls and four boys. Uh, any of the kids rapping? All of them. Really? Yeah, I'm. I'm the new Joe Jackson, man. All my kids get it. My yeah. sons, my son Stephen uh, Junior. He just put out. Well, he got three new songs out right now on the internet, and uh, he and he go up under the name of Stephen House Junior. Won't change it to a rap name or nothing. So he put yeah. out a couple, hit it hundred thousand on one views the first day, you know. But he and he actually sing, so they sing, they rap, instruments, the whole nine, producing, you know. So 
they definitely following in my in my footsteps and bone footsteps. So, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give you a list of who I who I'm working with. I got Trinity, my daughter, who uh, growing up hip hop is interested in, and now I'm working with growing up hip hop now. You know what I'm saying? So, and my uh, son Steven, he's the rapper, rapper. You know, so and. Yeah, they, 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 yeah, they, they, they ready, man. But they, they've been doing it since they came out the womb. So, you know, yeah, man, my kids is talented, and I'm damn near to that level where I got a couple more albums in me because I love music so much, man. It's my therapy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That music, me being able to have a studio at home brought me home to my children, and I was able to share that with them. You know what I'm saying? So now. I go home, and they got four, five, six, seven, eight songs done, two, three albums put up, and you know, just waiting for the perfect time to to hit the scene with them. They out here in Houston. I got two sons out here in Houston making noise around the town. So I ain't know you had kids in Houston. Yeah, they. I mean, not from Houston, but they out here. I got uh, they friends, the kids they went to school with, got family out here. So they came down here. Actually, Lil Stevie's first video is done in Houston with the Houston backdrop and all that. So, yeah, I'm rooted. I'm rooted everywhere, man. Right, right. When you look at your kids, even before, let's say, let's talk about before they got into the game. You never was so jaded by the industry, like a lot of people are jaded by the industry. So you never was jaded, so jaded by the industry that you said to yourself, you know, I don't want you doing this. You never, never. told any of your kids that? Nope, because I always looked at it like it was a challenge, you know. First of all, the challenge of getting in the door, you know. Then the second of all, the challenge of trying to make my deals better because I got, we got took so many times, you know, them deals wasn't right. But every time I sold another record, I always been a, I always been about the business as well. You know what I'm saying? So every time we did a platinum, I wanted to renegotiate everything. And, and by me knowing that, getting advice from E when, for the little time that we did spend with him, <clears throat> that charged me up. I'm like, oh, this a game. Y'all want to play the game? So if I sell more records, I get to come back to the table and holler at you or, you know what I'm saying? So the negotiation part kept me into it. And my whole thing was always to own everything. Mm-hmm. I, want, I wanted to do it what Lil J was doing. I wanted to do what Easy e was doing and, and Russ and Leor Coins and them. I wanted to be that. You know what I'm saying? So music... It's my love. It keep me grounded, but at the same time, numbers and money and you know, just to be the best was always. So I wasn't jaded about my kids. I never tried to, you know, because all my life had been music. My mother a singer, you know what I'm saying. So my mother sung. She she never really made it, made it, but she did background with the. Uh, OJs and things like that when I remember being real little and her going to the bars and singing. So I ain't never really seen another path but entertainment. So is that where it come from? Yeah, Mama Pete. 
Yeah, Mama P, man. Okay. She's she's a real brick house. Right. Yeah. That's your mom just celebrated a birthday. Yeah. And so you guys in the same month. Yeah. Labor gang. Libra gang. Yeah. Did y'all have, ever have a birthday party together? Ah oh, man, all my parties was with my mom. Yeah. You know, ever since I was I was having house parties, man, when I was twelve years old. You know what I'm saying? All the high school kids was coming. My mother let me, she'd rather us stay home and do what we did instead of run the streets. You know what I'm saying? So I was allowed to do things other kids my age wasn't able to do. Because mm -hmm. my mother, you know, everything that went on in the 80s, we did it. My mother, you know, at one point in time, the crack ep epidemic had her, and, you know, I was able to roam around, and I sold dope, and I did this, but my mother made a safe haven at home. Bone came home, you know what I'm saying? So we had house parties, man. We was the shit way back then, like. So my kids get it honestly. Now that I, you know, I feel like I learned so much from being robbed and took, like, now with the internet, and I, I, I got all my rights back working on getting our masters from Ruthless and all that shit. Like, my kids are their own bosses. You know what I mean? They managing their own careers. They just come to me for advice. I mean, I just consult. Have you ever thought about moving out of Cleveland? Man, I, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm always have one foot in Cleveland, but mainly I'm in L.A., because okay. that's where all my business is, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, Cleveland, we had to leave Cleveland to bring it back, you know what I mean? Because it wasn't there. It was either you go to New York, you come down south, or California. And that's where I planted my, my feet at, California. And, I, you know, my empire is on both sides, but... I'm in California because that's where all the business at, for me. How bad is the gang activity in Cleveland now? Because I remember going to Cleveland to do a show, maybe like 2000 or something like that, and I didn't know Cleveland was that bad. It's horrible. I didn't know it was that bad. I, we had a show, and I, when I say the whole entire damn venue was we talking like 1,500 games. Like, everybody was game. Right. I was like, damn, what happened? And this was just, I guess I hadn't been there in probably about maybe 10 years when I went. Right. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, that transformed, man. That transformed in about, because when, when I was growing up, when we got on, I was 20 years old. So... <clears throat> The generation after that, like, we didn't even believe in gangs like that. We repped our streets. We from 99th, the street. You know what I mean? We sold dope. That's what we did. So now it's, they young, man. They dying. They, they going fast. And, you know, I know some very influential people trying to help that cause in Cleveland. But it's bad. Mm -hmm. it's, it's bad. It's nothing, it's nothing to do. That's why I'm trying to I'm trying to do what I'm doing to bring it home. How did y'all feel? Well, how did you feel specifically when people were accusing you guys of being devil worshippers worshippers back in the day? 
Yeah, I remember y'all mm. doing. Didn't y'all do something with a Ouija board? I'm, 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 I can't crystallize yeah. the memory of it, but I remember some y'all doing something with a Ouija board. Yeah, let, let me clarify that. So <clears throat> everything we probably ever did, we wrote songs about. So mm. in high school, somebody brought a Ouija board to school. And by the way, it's a Parker Brothers game. You know what I mean? It was bought at Toys R Us. Somebody brought it to school. We played it. We was like, oh, man, we're going to make a song about it. Never thinking that because our most of our families are Jehovah Witnesses. You know what I'm saying? So we grew up with Christ in us. And, yeah, our, our family... They was mad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they was mad, but we made songs. Did you exile y'all? Crazy bone mama put us the fuck out. Like she seen that shit in her house, and she was like, "Get the fuck out, all y'all. Get go, don't come back." And yeah, broke it up. And but yeah, we made a song about it, man. And when people thought we was uh, devil worshippers, I just thought that was absurd. Like. If you really listen, if you really a fan of Bone and you listen to it, we mention God so much in our music. Like, how could you think that? But not knowing, now that when I look in hindsight, okay, I see what they, how they could have mistaken, mistaken that. But nah, we 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 rock with the Lord, man, Jesus Christ, all day long. Ja Rule was recently on the show, and he told me about how. His mother was banished from the Jehovah Witness program uh, because she had been having relations with worldly people, just mm -hmm. like just kicking it with, hanging out with worldly people. Right. And they banished her. I didn't know Jehovah Witnesses was that gangster. I just man. thought they just knock on doors. I didn't know. Oh, no, no, no. They get rid of you, man. It's some, it's some rules and things that go along with being a Jehovah Witness. I studied. I never became a Jehovah Witness, but I studied Jehovah Witness. And like just like I studied, I studied, a, I studied the Quran. My brother, Flesh and Bone, is a Muslim. So you got... Crazy Bone families, Jehovah Witnesses. My grandmother was a Jehovah Witness. My brother became a Muslim. So we got we got so much. It's a diversity within Bone that's very, very hard to explain, but it works because we talk about all of it. Okay. If you look at society, let's talk about American society. American society is very diverse, but... What we don't have is people who have a tolerance for people who don't have the same beliefs as right. they do. So how did Bone Thugs and Harmony make it work? Because Bone Thugs, and we found out real, real early that we needed each other because we was all dope on our own. You know what I mean? Like we was, we dressed dope. We was... Everything we did individually, we shined at it. But we, we, when we recognize if, if all of us, because we, we used to do this, we'd take our hand like one, two, three, four, five, put it together. Now hit that nigga. Mm -hmm. And that's how we thought. Like right. as a whole, we way stronger. So I think if American society <laughs> realized that little simple thing, you know, it's it's good to be different. 
and get different opinions. You get different outlooks on things. And we embraced that like at the ages of 12 and 13 because we wanted out of the ghetto, man. It was hard. It was We was hungry, you know what I'm saying? And when we rocked together, when we went and got that bag from the dope man, like, you you on that corner, you on that corner, I'm going to be here. Y'all y'all got the night shift, then we'd take the day shift. Like, we worked, we rocked like that the whole time. So understanding that we were stronger together as kids, that's how we got on because yeah. we stuck together. But America, I just think it's too finicky, you know what I'm saying? The niggas complaining, complaining, and not appreciating. So that's a whole nother bag, this American pot we in, you know what I mean? But stronger together. We got a saying called team. The acronym of team is together everyone achieves more. Huh. You know? I like that, man. Together everyone achieves more. That's the bone acronym for team. Yeah. When you were in the streets, what's like the worst thing that you saw that made you say, man, I ain't doing this forever. I'm, I'm, I got to get the hell up out of here. I got shot in the head at 16. See, I didn't know that. I went to jail when I was 14 for the first time. I was 14 years. i never forget these dates. August 23rd, 1989. Sent me off. We was was Band-Aid boys at that time. And I had to be away from, like, my, my boys always was my family. And I had to be away from that. That's where the bone came from. You know what I mean? Like plotting. It's a it's a deep story behind Bone, but the the way it came about was me going to jail, and I had to come home. And from when I did get a chance to come home, I lived in Texas. I lived in Dallas. Went to a school called Trinity, and I that was my tenth grade year. And I came home, and I had to find my brothers. I had to find Wishbone. I didn't know where he was at. You know what I mean? I had to find Crazy Bone. I actually ran into his Crazy's dad, walked in the store, and his dad was there. And I'm like, where the fuck is that? And he told me, and I went and found him, and that's about the time my mother introduced Busy. And I was going back to do what I left off. Like, I was going to see who, who I used to get my bag from and be like, yeah, I'm home. I ain't say nothing. I did my little time. Although it was juvenile, you know, I went to Texas and came back and boom, walking down the street, got mistooken as somebody else. Niggas jumped out, tried to jump on me and my brother. We beat their ass and nigga pulled out a gun. I tried to run and pow, nigga hit me in the head. Still there. They say don't do this, but I'm hard-headed. So I shake it anyway, but you still got the shell in? Yeah, it's still. Yeah. So, but that was a lifetime ago. It seemed like I was 16 years old, and that's when I said, you know what? I ain't doing nothing else but music. And right after that, if I did sell dope, it was to get the clothes we needed. I worked at KFC, made show bone had everything we needed for every show. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I struggle for this. I'm the glue. Everybody got their role. You know what I mean? Crazy Bone, when it comes to rap, he the sensei to me. You know what I'm saying? B Harmony and 
flashes the general and wishes the lieutenant at arms. Me, I'm the glue. I'm the Libra. I'm the one going to go get everybody. Like, it's time to come home. It's time to do this. It's, it's money to be made. So that's my perspective role within Bone Thugs and Harmony. So getting shot in the head, that was it for me. I'm like, I ain't doing this no more. It's time to leave Cleveland. And then they killed my best friend. My best friend Wally was breaking up a fight. Some shit he ain't had nothing to do with. Nigga couldn't handle him. Pulled out a pistol, shot him in the chest. And when our first, when Faces of Death was coming out, we got the, 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 the tape back the day before, a couple days before his funeral. And I buried the tape in his, put the tape in his, uh, in the coffin. And um, after that, it was like music, music. We got to get out of Cleveland. That was the mission. Did they ever find your shooter? Nope. So you could have ran across him any number of times. He could have showed up at a Bone concert, everything. Yeah, I probably shook his hand. Right. <clears throat> and if, to be honest, if I knew who he was, I would shake his hand. Thank you, nigga, for changing my mind. Huh. Shit, he almost changed your mind, literally. Yeah, he, all, <laughs> he yeah. almost made me lose my mind, too. Yeah. Literally. Exactly. Um, that, that shell, you don't have to get tested for lead poisoning? Mm-mm. Nope, because when it entered... I mean, it hit this bone, man. My my doctors called me Ironhead. And every now and again, I get pains up in here. But that's all. It's like... It's, are they saying it's too dangerous to try to take it out? They couldn't get it. Yeah, I guess they, yes. they, yeah, they, yes. couldn't, they couldn't get to it. Yeah. I had one in my chest, and I had it taken out. I lived with it for about... Man, probably three, four years, but I got tired of getting tested. I was paranoid about getting tested for lead poisoning, like catching lead poisoning. So I would get tested a couple of times a year. Mm -hmm. And then finally I just got it removed. Mine wasn't as dangerous to remove. So Yeah, and mine and this it was a twenty five, so it was so little that they, you know, they thought it'd be more detrimental to move that thing. And I had lost it. It blew my ear out like I was, I couldn't hear in my left ear for a few years. And then one day it just popped in, like miraculous, miraculously. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I consider that a blessing. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. 
State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbroke, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. About a year ago, you hopped on Instagram and went in on the Migos. People mm-hmm. talking about Migos, the greatest group, greatest hip hop group and all this type of stuff. And you had something to say about it. Yeah. For those who don't remember that, explain what, what was going on. Oh man, for, so. I know uh, y'all patched it up since then, but. I mean, yeah, what it it's all, it's, it's cool now, but. And I was, it, it was, I was fighting a battle that wasn't even mine, man. You know what I mean? It was, uh, I guess, Big Boy from um, from the radio out in out in L.A. Mm-hmm. had uh, asked one of the amigos, um, you know, do y'all feel like y'all the greatest group? And by the way, which I think everybody should feel like they the greatest. You know what I'm saying? And um, he said what he said, and then busy took it a certain way. And Busy Bone got at um, Big Boy. Like, yeah, you, like, he had a problem with Big Boy, so that little talking and beef was going on. And um, some street niggas had got started talking, had got into it, so I felt like I had to stand up for Bone. Cause Bone is like my baby, you know what I'm saying, and um, and it was just talk, 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 and I hadn't said nothing that I I was just watching at this time, and then um, he got on there and said something to the effect that them old broke niggas, and that pissed me off because I'm like you count, Who did that? I think it was it was Offset, cause I really went at him. I never heard the other two really say anything about it, but it was offset that it was like, uh, like saying like we was played out, we was broken. Then they said they was the the greatest group, not just in hip hop but in rap. But when the niggas said that we was broke, I'm like, oh no, nah, nigga, I work for mine. And then so I got at him, and then uh. One of the other little rappers said something, and then it started turning into a thing. So I'm like, I just jumped on the mic and felt a certain way, didn't write nothing down, and just went at niggas' heads, you know what I'm saying? It was like, because I felt like you like, I Bone Thugs and Harmony would never disrespect Ghetto Boys. 
because y'all paved the way for us. You know what I'm saying? We would never disrespect N.W.A. We would never disrespect Tribe Called Quest or anybody that put the work in. I just start feeling like these little niggas really think they they ungrateful. Like, nigga, you wouldn't be getting that bag if we ain't put the work in. And then you saying you the greatest group, but now you saying you created my style. Man, fuck you. That's how I felt. But, I mean, now it's like I wish I wouldn't have said nothing because they didn't pop back. I'm like, and they was like, well, let's count the money. Let's see who's bagged it big. No, where your skills at? Because we take this rap shit serious. Like, it's an art. To, it's a real art. You know what I mean? So the art was like, I mean, they ain't wanna they ain't wanna do that. Yeah. So I won. A lot of people today, they measure importance by how much money one has. Right. And I just think about so many people who has had an unlimited amount of money who ain't shit. Right. I mean, just like, you know, I'm the kind of dude that I can be impressed with what someone does, but I'm more impressed with what kind of person you are. That's what impresses me the most because I'd rather eat crumbs with bombs than snakes, I mean, steaks with snakes, you know what I'm saying? Right. I would rather eat crumbs with bombs than steaks with snakes. That's dope. And... That's the way I, I operate, and it's just, it just trips me out the level of ass kissing that's out there with when it comes to people with money. When I was growing up, you could be hard and everything, and you could be a dude in the streets getting money, but if you couldn't protect your own money, nobody respected you. Right. They gonna take it from take you. Your shit. They would take it. Mm-hmm. But these days, these guys are actually out here protecting these dudes. They they out here like getting in the way of the bullets and stuff. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, of course, well, they get in the way if they think the bullets ain't really gonna come. Right. But when they really come, they get the hell out out right. of the way. <laughs> right. But like, we wouldn't protect a, a sucker. We would protect a dude that wasn't gangster. But, you know, he was getting his money, but he respected the code and he looked out for people right. in the hood or whatever. And, you know, he, he didn't he didn't flaunt. Right. We protect that type of dude. But just like a regular sucker, it doesn't matter how much money, hey, man, we're going to get that. You're going to you're gonna have to give it up because we, we just didn't respect. I mean, you're talking about, you know, growing up around a whole bunch of wolves, man. You know, like, mm-hmm. hey, man, and everybody trying to eat. And you are you getting all this money, and you're a sucker, and you, you know, you shitting on people. Right. Oh man, you ain't gonna survive. Yeah, you're not gonna survive. Absolutely, I'm cut from that cloth. Right, that's the cloth I'm cut from, and that's that was the point. Like, your character is all I like, young man. You don't even know. I just turned forty-seven. I done did more in life for so many, so many, so many people. Like. Don't count my pockets. That that ain't what you do out here in the streets because once you get to count niggas' pockets, niggas knock your head off. Like, keep it real. These days, shit, you got rappers that's full-blown known to snitch and they still selling records. I don't, it's like I'm, I'm not from that era. 
So my thing was, don't disrespect the people who laid your foundation down. That was my whole principle behind that. And actually, Snoop told me, he was like, don't even, he was like, later on, you bigger than that, just don't, it ain't worth it, it's business. And I wish I would have listened at that time, so that's water under the bridge. And I'm pretty sure, you know, they done matured a little bit too, so we can get money. I wanted to look up something right quick. I'm trying to see this actress's name. Ellen Pompeo, I guess. I, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. But she's facing some backlash for disrespecting Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington, she, talk, she told a story on her podcast where back in the day when Denzel Washington was directing an episode of Grey's Anatomy, Mm-hmm. She was trying to tell one of the actors how to get through the scene. And Denzel interjected and said, hey, you know, don't you tell him what to do. I'm the director. And she said, motherfucker, this monster. She said, she said that to Denzel. I, she thought she was going to get a lot of praise, but they lit her ass up on Twitter. I mean, mm-hmm. they lit her up. And that goes to your point, you know, the disrespect, like Denzel open the doors, and he continues to open doors for anybody that comes after him. Mm-hmm. He laid the foundation. Denzel is one of the most respected actors of all times, right. and even outside of acting, as a man, you know, as a philanthropist, you know, as a, you know, a philanthropist, as a, as a, um, you know, just as a, as a father, right. you know, a husband, this man is well respected. Mm-hmm. And for her to, you know, to, this is type of stuff we would never hear of here right. back in the day. We would right. never hear uh, an actor or anybody that was basically someone who came after someone who laid the foundation, who paved the way, being disrespectful like that. And I said that to make this point. Keep waking up. And then you're going to be that person right. who paved the way. Right that's going to be getting shitted on, getting disrespected and being called old and broke or whatever, right? It just trips me out how so many people disrespect people who are older. And you don't have to be 70, 80, 90 years old. You can be 30. They just, oh, old-ass nigga, I'm an old-ass nigga, old nigga, old-ass nigga. Ain't that the motherfucking (laughs) point? Right. Isn't that the point? The point is to get, get like me, right? Right. Get up get in age where you can get, get wise and and you can basically become like a social encyclopedia, right? right? But you people, the youngster can come and get the game, right. you know? Like I, I just was always that dude that liked to be around the older people to suck the game up. I never, when I say never, I never disrespected old people like that. Yeah, I mean, I was taught respect your elders. Bottom line, you know, back when I was growing up, we on our street, everybody knew everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, it ain't like that no more. The community's all broke up and things like that. So if I was running up and down the street being disrespectful, then somebody will let my mama know. My mama going to whoop my ass. And then not only that, she going to get permission to whoever caught me to, you know, snatch a knot out of nigga. Um... So I don't know where we lost it at, man, but we got to get it back because, man, 
we got to get it back. Like, because, I mean, my kids are walking here, and they got what I got. You know what I'm saying? Like, I put that time in with them to let them know, like, you know, I don't care if you, if you think you right. That's your elder. You shut the fuck up and get out the door with your difference of opinion. You know what I mean? Because it's age before beauty. The wisdom, you know what I mean? You impart the people who can impart that wisdom on you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I look up to y'all. You, y'all my OGs. You face, you know what I mean? Cube. I was raised, I was out there. I'm raised by y'all, you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't go do what you said you was doing, you know what I mean? I learned and wanted to critique, like, damn, they said, like, do it like this and, like, soaking up game. So maybe the, maybe the kids want to be sponges again. It looked like look like the ignorance might be stirred around a little bit to where it's changing because— my kids, my, my my homies' kids and all that, they, they was taught to be respectful. You know what I'm saying? Hey, we kept them in the Bible. Although we talk this street shit, we still, the basic instructions before leaving earth is put in their hands. You know what I mean? By the way, Bible, acronym. Basic instructions uh, before leaving earth. Wow. Yeah. Never heard that before. That's tight, man. I think you own to something about these kids being sponges and wanting to suck up the game because I'm in the same boat. My kids, very respectful. My friends' kids, very respectful. Mm -hmm. So that's why I never like make these sweeping generalizations about today's youth because right. I know so many youngsters who are getting it and doing well. You know, I know a lot of them who are on the right path and. A lot of them are getting money, and they have integrity. They're not mm -hmm. just doing anything to get money. They have integrity. They care about how they're viewed by their family. They understand that when they go out there, they're not just representing themselves. Right. They're representing their family, and they get it. So and salute. Salute to every one of you out there. Yeah, salute. Uh, and salute to the, to, to the mothers and the fathers and the aunts and the uncles. You know, and and the, and the cousins and, and, the, and the grandparents mm -hmm. and, and and family friends who are who are helping and helping to raise these kids because it really does take a village. Yeah. You know, I, I really I really appreciate it. Uh, like, you have no idea when I see stuff like that. Just hearing you talk about that gave me chills. When you say, you know, your kids get it and your homeboys, I'm. Yeah. We're cut from the same cloth, man. From that cloth, man. But, but you know something, man? I I think it goes beyond just disrespect for elderly. I think it, you know, or elders, it goes to, to the heart of how a person is just disrespectful, period. Some people are just disrespectful and they don't respect nothing. Right. So you find somebody who don't respect their elders, and that's a person who don't respect nothing. I can guarantee you, if that person don't respect their elders, that's a person that don't respect their mother or their father. They don't respect their grandparents. They don't respect their they don't respect their peers. Right. They don't respect their contemporaries. Some people are just disrespectful, and they need their asses whooped. Right. You know, like really whooped. Like mm -hmm. really, like I ain't talking about a scuffle. Right. I'm talking about an ass whooping so severe that you say to yourself, God, 
if you let me survive this, <laughs> right? I won't do I it won't again. I won't fuck with nobody. I'll never do that again. Right. That's the type of ass whooping that needs to be administered. Mm -hmm. And it's coming yeah. because there's always somebody better than you, and there's going to be always somebody that ain't going to accept the disrespect. Right. It's coming. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, some of you out there that might be listening, man, quit while you're here, man. It's okay. You reap what you sow, man. Yeah. You absolutely do. So, you know, I take my hat off to the young G's that's doing it. There's so many that I respect, and I refuse to let one or two bad apples ruin it for all of them. Because yeah. we, we paid them dues already. We're not going back. I just had this conversation with Tretch. You know what I'm saying? About how... Shout out to Tretch. Yeah, shout out to Trigger Another Tretch, legend. man, because I always get jewels from him. And we was just talking about, like, how what we had to go through in order for our children to have the growing up hip-hop opportunities and things like that. So the beefing within got to stop. The OGs got to step in and, and talk to the kids. And, and I'm feeling the vibe of it's enough of us now to really, like, we can't be too busy to raise them because if we want this planet, you know, we got that's what we got to do. And just to go back, I don't blame the children. I kind of blame America because my, you know, they they locked my uncles up, man. They locked them up and and we was lost. I was selling dope, you know, but my grandfather was on something different. He had us playing baseball and in uh youth associations. They put crack on the streets, which took the attention away from raising the kids. You know what I mean? Like, I was out there. I got shot. So I guess I'm here now just to say I could have been unlucky enough to not be here. But since we here, like, it just, we could change it. Let's revisit something real quick. Your relationship with your mother was a very good relationship, you would say, right? Y'all yeah. were close. Mm -hmm. With that being said, how did you end up in the streets? Because my mother ended up on drugs. Okay. You know what I mean? Right. And I also pride myself on helping my mother get off of drugs once I understood how them drugs got into America. And once I understood what we was really against, like, well, how? We didn't put these guns here. And I was learning all this stuff from hip-hop was teaching us. Like, although, yeah, we had to fuck the police and all this, but you still had another angle of, you know, guidance of saying, well, KRS-One telling us, who put it in? How did it get here? It was, you know, we hungry. While, while we got, you know, this is our only, our, our only alternative. So once I understood that, I stopped blaming my mother. Like, I always loved my mother with a passion, but I was mad. My friends knew she was on that shit. You know what I mean? And it didn't make me feel good, so I would end up selling it. I needed some Jordans. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to be up to date. I wanted to look good going to school, you know what I'm saying? So by the time I was I was 14 when I got knocked the first time, 16 when I got shot, I was famous by 20 because I started reading. 
I read Napoleon Hill. You know, I passed my kids different. Like I passed them the books, the self-help books that my uncles wasn't there to pass me with, pass to me. So I understood like they, the incarceration and how they, how they was getting paid. When I found out Bob Barker owned penitentiaries, and I used to cut school to watch Prices Right. This motherfucker talking about come on down, the Prices Right, and you. <laughs> own in penitentiaries, like, but you getting paid for that. So I, I when I start seeing the monopoly and things, you know, I start, when I start educating myself, I start doing different. Yeah. So that's re- all it is, is education. The reason why I ask you the question is because, <clears throat> you know, we always say it starts at home, right? And I know it don't start out of nowhere. It starts at home. Everything starts at home, no matter what the government got going on, it starts at home. Now, we know. I think it's important that we put the, the blame squarely on who's ever, whoever participated, right? Right. We are the generation that came before this generation. First and foremost, we're responsible for the new generation, in my opinion. Me too. And then the generation before us are responsible also because obviously they didn't give us something that we needed, right? right? But ultimately, you know, you go to the family, you go to the person, the individual, right? Mm -hmm. Because for me, I understood early on, I was like, man, this government is fucked up. They hate us for real. Yeah. And they do have traps out there and I walk right into some of those traps. Understanding that, I have to make sure that I avoid those traps. It's on me. I know who these people are. I know that they don't like, I know what they're doing. I see it. I'm not going to participate in the fuckery. I can't for the sake of myself and my seeds, my children. I was like, I got to position my babies so that they don't get got by this system too. You know? And so... I didn't want I didn't want that to go unsaid because sometimes, you know, we'll say, you know, we blame the system and rightfully so. This is a very wicked, very diabolical system. And the people and, and you know, let me go further than the system and say the people that are work within the system, many of them are very, very evil, vile, uncivilized mutts. Greedy. Say, man, the worst of the worst, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing that, I like our smart ass. I like to make sure he ain't going to get me. Right. Ah, you thought I wasn't going to get that land, huh? Right. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you thought I wasn't going to be able to get that out. Got it. Ah, you thought I was going to be dead. Gotcha. You know? Mm-hmm. Oh, you start trying to get me in that penitentiary. Right? You try to get me in the Oh, mm-hmm. motherfucker, I see what y'all doing. Yeah. I'm going to go this way. You know, like, so this is what I impart on my kids daily and I impart on anybody that really would listen mm-hmm. is that at the end of the day, it's on us. We gotta, because if if we put it on somebody else, then we don't have to take responsibility. It's like if you're playing basketball, right? You're playing a game of basketball and you say, well, man, you know, the reason I lost, man, because I ain't had the right kind of shoes on. Right. I, like, I don't give a damn what, I can be playing barefooted. I ain't gonna, no excuses. 
I'm out to win. This shit. I don't want to have excuses because excuses hurt. Right. Excuses hurt me. Like, it's like when I just admit, if I admit an excuse, it's like, well, why didn't you do anything about it? Right. Like, so my thing is, hey, man, we can complain all day, but after we complain, let's do something about it. Right. And so I am of the understanding that if we do something about it, we understand who these people are. We understand how the system is rigged. We It's been rigged from day one. So ain't nothing special about us when we consider what our, our ancestors went through, right? And even our grandmothers and parents went through you know, in civil during the civil rights era, they you know, the worst. No, nothing new under the sun, even Jim Crow and all that stuff, you know, so ain't nothing special about us in regards to what they experienced. Right. And if they could get through it and shake it off, well, hell, I know we can do it yeah. and we got to do it. We don't really have a choice. Yeah. Start with the man in the mirror. Right. You got to want it for yourself. Right. Period. You know, and, and and that's it. I'm glad you clarified that because I'm definitely not pointing the finger over there. It's start right here. Yeah. I well, want. Get I their want, asses too, though. No, yeah, no, no. Oh, yeah, no this no. one I'm saying. Get their asses too, because these some dirty, diabolical, low down, uncivilized much. So their asses got to be called out. Right. I hear people always say, "Well, you're always blaming this person, or you blaming this and blaming this." You know, yeah, motherfucker. I'm gonna get anybody who is. Liable. Right. They are liable. The U.S. government is liable, first and foremost. They mm -hmm. are liable. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, we can't just use that as an excuse not to excel. Right. We still got to do what we got to do in spite of. We got to live. We got to live. 100%. Well, man, because you have lived, because Stephen House has lived, man— we have been blessed with some of the greatest music in history. Like, they, anybody can say whatever the hell they want to say, but they cannot take away your contribution to hip-hop and what you continue to give to us, man. Like you said a few moments ago, you reap what you sow. Right. Man, you have sowed some hell of a seeds, man, and we appreciate you for well, it. That's, that's definitely an honor coming from you, man. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Big bro, you just don't, boy, you, well, you know, we came, boy, I ain't going to get on no soapbox, but I love you, man, and I respect you, and that's an honor, and me and my bros, and we know, the shit y'all wrote helped us get to where we are, you know what I'm saying? Without y'all, it wouldn't be no bone. Without a couple of people that influenced our lives in the, in the manner that made us want to be creative. Like, damn, we could do that. And here we are. And that's, and all I'm doing is, all I'm doing is passing the baton. Right. You know what I'm saying? I just turned 47, man. I don't plan on going on tour at 60. Why not? I mean, not. Rolling Stone do it. I mean, you, but. You plan on not having we, to. Not having to. Exactly. But we've okay. been on the road for 27 years, and we probably do like 250 dates a year. Mm -hmm. So I can cut that down to about 50, you know what I mean? But watching watching the kids and these artists that I got up under me, man, I'm like, I'm content. You know what I mean? I feel like I didn't, my plate, I, I still got some steak on my plate. I'm getting full. Like, now, who else want to eat? You know what I'm saying? So just spreading it out. That's all I want to do.
Thank you, man. I love you back, man. We love you. Thank you, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Lazy Bone. In the building. This episode was produced by A-King and brought to you by the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.